Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast, as we explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. On this episode of the Boone Podcast, Brett sits down with former NFL Pro Bowler, Wes Welker. All right, let's do this! And now, here's your host, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone, and today on the program, I sit down with a 12-year NFL veteran who's a five-time Pro Bowler, and he led the league in receptions in 2007, 2009, and 2011. I used to love watching this guy play. Ladies and gentlemen, Wes Welker. Wes, thanks for coming on the program. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for having me. I got to talk about your field goal kicking days. Wes Welker, I never think, oh, he kicks extra points. He kicks field goals. I did a little research. You did all of them, and especially it started in high school because I got a story for you after how you got into that. Uh, You want the story of how? I just want, yeah, I I think of Wes Welker going across the middle, getting getting buried, and I didn't think of you kicking field goals, and I'm like, he's a field goal kicker. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. No, uh, I, I, well, I grew up playing soccer, so that was, uh, you know, kind of my first love, um, growing up. So I started when I was like four. Um, and so it just, you know, whenever you play football, there's not a whole lot of people who played soccer and football and different things like that. So, um, but I, I played all growing up and traveled all over and, um, you know, soccer was my big sport. So, um that you know they said there all right who's gonna be our kicker i'm like well i can kick and you know so pretty much every team i've ever been on as far as football i've been been the kicker uh until i got to uh college well i'll tell you when i was a kid you know and i i I didn't play past peewee football but uh i was infatuated with the kicking side of it And, and i grew up in in uh jersey so you know my team was the eagles as a little kid you remember Tony Franklin, the barefooted kicker? Um, I don't. I mean, I remember the some. He might he might have been a little bit before your time, but but yeah. he was bare he <laughs> he was bit. barefoot. Go ahead. Right. So he was barefoot when we used to go out, you know, in the street and play two hand touch. I had a field goal post set up in my backyard, and and my buddies, you know, we're ten years old, and, and you're playing, you know. Two, two completions as a first down. And, and so you, you, the kid, the games we play as kids. Well, anyway, I love this kicking thing. So all of a sudden we'd score a touchdown. Now I got to kick the extra point. My buddies are rolling their eyes like, oh, yeah, Brett's got to kick the extra point because he thinks he's Tony Franklin. And, and I was reading right. about that, getting ready for this. And I saw that you were a kicker. And I thought, that, well, that's pretty awesome. And not only we'll get to it later, but not only were you a kicker in high school, you did it in an NFL game, which which I thought was pretty awesome. Anyway, yeah, childhood, yeah. Oklahoma City, born and raised. Uh, what was Wes Welker like as a little kid? Give me a little snapshot of your childhood. Um, yeah, no, um, you know, grew up there in Oklahoma City. Um, you know, went to Heritage Hall pretty much uh, from preschool on. Um, you know, uh, I don't know. I was, was a little bit of a. Uh, I wouldn't say like a troublemaker or anything like that, but I was a little bit of a wild kid and, um, you know, parents were always having to put me in time out and threaten to call the cops on me and all those different things. And, um, but you know, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, but just, um, you know, always getting into something, you know, climbing, climbing on top of the roof, you know, I was like four years old and parents came find me, you know, just, you know, a little stuff like that. And, um, but, but yeah, no, that was, I was just always, always on the move, always just doing something, always, um, you know, you know, if they tell me not to do something, I'm probably going to find a way to end up doing it. And, um, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I think I drove my, my parents crazy. My mom always said, you know, I just knew you're going to do something great or you're going to end up in jail. And it, and it ended up working out uh, for the latter. You said you played soccer growing up. Um, was it soccer and football only, or, or did you have other sports? Do you have a favorite team, favorite player that that you that you followed as a kid? 
Um, yeah, like I, it, it was mainly football. I mean, I did a little bit of basketball and uh, different things like that, but it was, it was mainly soccer. Like I, I did that year round. Um, but, you know, I was always a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, um, you know, especially, uh, er, you know, early, late, uh, mid nineties and all the Super Bowl runs and, you know, could name every player. And, uh, Barry Sanders was one of my favorites, you know, he went to Oklahoma state, but, I was more of an Oklahoma uh, OU fan, um, you know, especially Brian Bosworth and all them there. So, um, you know, started off an OU fan, then kind of became a, you know, I was basically a bandwagon kid. And then as I grew older, you know, and the Cowboys got good and all those different things uh, really jumped on that bandwagon. Football in Oklahoma City. Now, now I said I grew up in Jersey. Then I went to high school in Southern California. And, you know, our our typical high school football games, you know, the kids go to the game. They're leaving by halftime. It's not a big deal. But places like, especially in Texas, high school football, it's a big deal. Is it is it that type of atmosphere in Oklahoma City where, where the whole town comes out on the weekend and, and that's like the only thing in town? Um. You know, I, I mean, I, I went to a small uh, private school there growing up. And um, so it, it, a lot of the smaller towns, like outside Oklahoma City, it, it's, it, it is that way. Um, but, you know, being in the city and everything, it was, you know, um, not many people really started coming to the games till uh, you know, my junior year. Um, you know, it, it, when we were, you know, really good, we ended up winning state that year. And, um, but, you know, Heritage Hall was never known as like a football school. It was more, you know, academics and different things like that. Um, but it's, it, it's pretty cool because, you know, now it is. Um, you know, they, I think they've won probably, I don't know, five or six, seven championships since then. Um, so it's, it, it, it's kind of become that and, um, you know, they, they got a really good program now and, and, um, you know, it, it's pretty cool to, you know, whenever I get a chance, it's, it's been some time now, but, uh, to go back to those games and, and, uh, see what it's, it's kind of become and, you know, the, the support that, uh, the school gets around the football team. Following high school, you ended up uh, going to Texas Tech University. Um, how'd that come about? Um, well, it, was, it, was, uh, it ended up being my only offer. So, um, you know, it, it made it pretty easy on me um, as far as, you know, uh, going there. Um, but, you know, I grew up an OU fan and um, was state player of the year and all those different things. And um, mid. You know, I I was quick, but I was never really all that fast, you know, small. Um, and so I uh, never really got those uh, offers or anything. So um, my head coach in high school coached with this guy, Tommy McVay at Texas Tech. And um, anyways, they, he sent, you know, called him up and sent out a bunch of letters to all these D1 schools. And um, anyways, uh Tommy showed my tape to Art Bryles and Art Bryles showed to Mike Leach and, you know, it's his first year there. And, um, anyways, they're like, well, yeah, this guy is pretty good. Let's bring him in for a visit and brought me in for a visit. And, uh, signing dad came and gone and they had a fall through and a recruit. And, um, anyways, I went on my visit and, um, while I was on my visit, really enjoyed it. And, um, I think it was like, probably about an hour and a half before my flight was leaving, uh, coach Leach finally offered me and, you know, I, I accepted on the spot and, and, um, you know, the rest of the rest was kind of history. And, um, you know, is it, it was, couldn't have picked a better college for myself if I, if I had a choice. So everything really worked out, you know, the way it was supposed to. Yeah, because like you mentioned, high school, you're, you know, reading through your bio, you you were kind of all everything player of the year. And then I could imagine sitting there and, and you mentioned they said you're too small. Now I'm coming up and obviously I'm playing baseball, you're playing football, but I got the same, same, same feedback. Now he's small, he's not going to hit for power at the professional level. And I remember coming out of high school expecting, you know, I'm going to be a decent 
draft pick. The, the difference in baseball and football, obviously, is there's no minor leagues for the football. So the, so the fallback is I did have the option to go to college, but I expected to be a higher pick. And I heard that all the time. Oh, you're not big. You're, you know, right. it's it's not going to translate. And I carried that with me, I think, through through my college days and and through my minor league days. Um was right. that something for you? You were always told that because, yeah, of, of course, you know, I watched you play a lot and uh, you, you weren't the prototypical uh, NFL right. receiver. Yeah. So so I'm, I'm sure you heard a lot of that, especially in your younger days. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it, it was, you know, it, even going to the small school that I went to, you know, a lot of the bigger schools around there, you, you meet kids at these other schools and all these things and, you know, you'll be at parties or whatever, and they're like, yeah, you wouldn't even play at PC North, or you wouldn't even play at, you know, Edmund Memorial. You wouldn't play at, you know, some of these bigger schools, you know, 6A type schools around there. And, you know, I, I didn't know. Like, I, you know, I was like, uh, okay, you know, whatever. Um, but, yeah, no, people always, always kind of tell me, um, you know, you can't do this and you can't do that. And, you know, I, I think my main thing was just, you know, I loved playing and I enjoyed playing. And um, and, and so it, it definitely was a chip on my shoulder. Um, but, you know, I, I, I just always kind of believed in myself, I guess, and, and really wanted to go out there and play as hard as I could. And, you know, there's only one way I really wanted to play. And I was going as hard as I could every single snap and, um, you know, and I think just day after day and working out and getting ready and doing all those things, like I enjoyed every aspect of it. And I think just over time, um, you know, I, I started, you know, surpassing people um, who, you know, being told that they were great and being told that they were this and that they're going to the NFL and, you know, all these different things. And they feel like, you know, they didn't have to work for it. And, you know, they probably didn't have the same passion for the game and all those different things. And, and, um, I think just over time, it, it kind of just morphed into, uh, even more than what I thought would be possible. And, um, you know, but I just kind of kept that same mindset and, you know, every obstacle that kind of came up, I just, you know, just kept on playing the game the same way I played when, um, you know, I was a little kid and, and uh, I think when you do that, you, you know, everything else kind of takes care of itself. And, um, um, you know, it ended up working out in the end. While I got a quick second, want to give a shout out to DraftKings. We've partnered with DraftKings now, and they are the official sponsor of the Boone Podcast. Dan? Thanks, Boone. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code BOONE, B-O-O-N-E, bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code BOONE at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN red line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. And now back to my interview with Wes Welker, you know, and you've been on the coaching end now for a few years since you retired and after the 2015 season. And and you get to see these young players coming up. And you're right. You know, I, 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 I uh, 
I was a special assistant for the Oakland A's for a couple of years uh, back in, I think, 14 and 15. And, you know, you see these kids coming in from the draft and, and you as you alluded to, you said some guys are told how great they are and how good they are. And I'd see these big first round pick, these second round picks coming in. You know, talking a big game because they just got a couple million dollars in the draft. And and I always I always like to really sit and talk with them to see if they really believed what everybody was telling them. But I always looked for the guy that wasn't that prototypical, you know, six, three run like the wind, got a cannon for an arm, unbelievable bat speed. But I'd look into their eyes and, I, and I'd want to see if they believed in themselves and if they loved this game, because I'll tell right. you, I'll take right. I'll take that kid that is passionate about the game and believes that he's great. Not the one that's told he's great all the time, that, but believes it. Right. And it's really, it's really interesting in, in the makeup of young players. And, and I found myself kind of gravitating towards those, you know, I called them that kids. I don't care about what he, what he, what he grades out at, you know, on the cool, on the toolbar. I I'm interested. Right. He's a baseball player. And there's a lot to be said for that on the field because I want a bunch of baseball players on the field and, and I really don't care about their measurements or their speed. Yeah, obviously that comes into play at the highest level, but give me a bunch of right. guys that love this game and, and uh, I'll take my chances with those guys. Interesting that you said that. All right, you go to Texas no, Tech. It's funny because, uh, you know, we're, we're going, you know, we go through the draft process every single year and it's, you know, we watch all this film on these guys and, and it's it's funny because as you watch film on them, you you kind of you, you feel like you know them through their play, and and you're kind of like I feel like I'm I'd, I'd get along with this guy. I you know like it's it is you know you make a great point because it is the truth. Like um, you know it's it's through their play, and I don't care about measurables. I mean, yeah, it's it's important, but at the same time, like I want to. I want to feel like I know you just by watching you play. Yeah, it's it's a really cool thing. Go to Texas Tech, and you mentioned Mike Leach. Uh, he was your first. He was your college coach, colorful guy. And tell me a little bit about that. Was the beginning, I believe, of the air raid offense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. It was. It was. It was a perfect, you know, setup for me. Um, you know, I think it was when. Yeah, when every, everything kind of got going, him and how Mummy were doing at Kentucky, and then he went to OU for one year and then got the deal at Texas Tech. Um, but it was just kind of coming on. And, um, you know, um, with my my stature and skill set and all those different things, um, you know, being in an, uh, a prototypical type of offense, you know, wouldn't have um, – been good for me as far as showcasing my talents and um you know it, it, it was just kind of the perfect fit uh, as far as leech's offense and and being part of that air raid um where you know you're basically running rounds the whole time and you know i could always run all day and and um you know we we're always going fast and and all those different things so it, it was just kind of the you know, I, I feel like the timing of it and everything like that was just was just kind of perfect uh, for when I I, I kind of came along. Freshman year, you, you played uh, mostly special teams, and in two thousand one, uh, you start to get more play time. Two thousand two, you're all Big Twelve in your senior year. Oh three, you're all Big Twelve again. I'm interested. Once again, you're in this position. You go to you go to college. You get all the accolades. You kick butt. And I saw you weren't invited to the NFL Combine. So it's kind of to me. I was thinking. Right. So Wes is thinking. You know, out of high school, he's got no offers. To, he gets a last minute offer from Texas Tech. He goes exceeds expectations again, and now he's sitting there waiting for an opportunity. At, at probably at this point in your life is is your dream to go play in the NFL and be successful. And you don't get get invited to the combine. You end up going undrafted, and and it right. seems like it's another uphill battle for you. And and obviously you climb that hill, which is it, it's an awesome story in the end. But what's going through your mind? Are you thinking, oh, here we go again? They don't believe in me. I got to re- keep proving myself. Well, yeah, but, but I, I kind of expected it. I mean, I, I knew, you know, um, you know, I, I probably wouldn't be invited um, just 
you know, it's it's funny when you look at it now, like all these, you know, smaller slot receivers are getting invited now. Um, because of you. Then, uh, <laughs> you know, well, back then, which just wasn't the case. It was, you know, the, the pro-style um, offense, you know, that it, they, they hadn't really taken that um, type of deal on uh, yet, except on third downs. So, you know, they, they were – more finding those guys uh, that can separate and different things like that on third down. Um, but they still wanted the speed and all those different things. And, you know, I was a four, six guy and um, being the size I am, it just, you know, it, it didn't add up as far as the measurables and all those different things. So, um, you know, I, I wasn't surprised by it. I knew it was going to be an uphill battle, but you know, that's kind of been, you know, the story for me, you know, the whole time. So I, you know, especially after high school, I, I was kind of ready for that and, and um, you know, kind of ready for the challenge as far as that went. And, um, yeah, the the draft, you know, came and, and, and went and uh, I ended up signing in San Diego and, um, you know, I got on there. And, um, again, it was another perfect deal where, you know, uh, a Hall of Famer, uh, James Lofton, was my position coach. Um, and, and he's not even really the one that wanted me as more the special teams coach, uh, for returnability. And so, uh, but it was, it was a blessing, um, just because, you know, James, me and my coach, uh, I just learned so much, uh, about how he saw the game and, and, uh, how to run routes and just, because the air raid offense didn't necessarily translate, um, over to the NFL, as much, um, you know, they, a lot of these prototypical offenses that have these different routes. Well, the air raid offense was, it was more like running the spots and just kind of like, you know, run, you know, playing fast and all those different things. So, um, you know, having a coach like that was, was so key for me to, to really be able to learn, um, you know, uh, how to attack defenders and getting on edges and, um, you know, his whole deal was speed, everything's a go route and all these different things. And, um, you know, and obviously I wasn't a fast guy, but, you know, his main thing was always make all the, all your routes look the same. And, you know, the, the option type routes and different things like that was my best route. And so I just kind of figured out like, well, if that's my best route, how do I use that to my advantage? and combine that into other routes and make it seem like that route and, you know, all those different things. And, but still, you know, really always working on my speed. So I had that burst off the line of scrimmage and using my quickness um, to be able to um, get on the edges of defenders and, and be able to work those guys. And, and um, but it, it kind of evol- evolved into my own little thing um, to, to be able to, uh, play at that level. So, um, and then as I kind of just stuck around the NFL being a returner and everything, um, you, you slowly saw, saw the pros start to, um, move into using three wide receivers a lot more. And, um, you know, and that's, that's why I got traded to new England and, and, um, you know, being able to uh, first and second down, you know, when I was in Miami, um, I, I really wasn't on the field. It was more just on third downs. Um, so uh, on first, second down, a lot of teams are in base defense. So I was going against linebackers and different things like that. And New England did such a great job of, of understanding the matchups that uh, that creates uh, on offense and being able to be with Tom Brady and all those different things. Um, you know, I was, I was kind of able to really hit it at the right time of when uh, defenses really weren't caught up with that. And so um, it, it just kind of, kind of morphed into that. So it, it was, it, a lot of it was good timing really. And then, um, and then just really um, continuing to work on my craft and, and, you know, trying to make it, you know, the best I could. That first year you're with the Chargers, after game one, uh, you get cut and they offer you to be, uh, I think, on the practice squad. You, you, you decline that. 
And you end up signing with the Dolphins. And uh, Marty Schottenheimer said, the biggest mistake I ever made was cutting Wes Welker. Um, <laughs> go to the, you go to the Dolphins, and you're mostly special teams. Uh, <laughs> and this is, where, this is where, you know, opening up the show, I talked to you about kicking field goals, and I read this, and it said, kickoff return, punt return, extra point, and a field goal in the same game. And I thought that that's right. unbelievable. And, and I think, you know, the, the, to follow that up, the sentence following that, well, yeah, and he won special teams player of the week that week. I'm like, well, if you can't win it that week, when you, when can you win it? But, uh, that, that, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome right there. Yeah, no, it was, it, it was a really cool deal. Um, you know, it, it's funny because it, that was my rookie year. And I think it was the only time I ever got player of the week, my whole career. And so, <laughs> It was just funny that it that it happened uh, there as a as a special teams player um, to be able to get that that award and um, but yeah no it was it it was it, it was really wild uh, you know Olindo Mare uh, our kicker at the time uh, he like pulled his calf and and you know I I was kind of on the side like we we're about to go out there and I kicked like one ball and. Um, I was like, okay, I think I'm good. And then, you know, sat there and kicked off and ended up kicking the game. And everybody kept asking me, like, are you, you know, whenever I kicked a field goal and extra points and stuff, like, well, were you nervous or, right? you know, what you admit? Like, it's like, if they would have cut me for missing a kick, like, you know, that, like, that, that kind of would have been BS. Like, I, you know, I, uh, I, I'm not. I wasn't a kicker, so it was just you know it was pretty stress free. It's something I've done my my whole life up to that point, pretty much. So um, you know it, it was it was uh, you know pretty pretty easy for me to be re- be honest. Like returning kicks and punts are were a lot more stressful for me than that. Yeah, I figured, you know, you got nothing to lose. It's like them telling me, hey, you got to pitch the ninth inning. It's like, well, I've never pitched before at, at any high level. What do I got to lose? It's actually going to be fun for me right. if I get you out. Um, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You know, it's like, hey, well, let me come in and save the day and just kick this extra point for you guys so you don't have to go for the two-point conversion. I think that would be awesome. Um right. Really interesting to me. Now, just being the baseball player and, you know, watching the NFL, being a fan, it's, you know, the returning kickoffs is one thing, but I've always been fascinated with the returning of punts. And I just kind of look at it like that looks like the most dangerous job in sports. Uh, you did it oh, for so long. Um Take me through your mind when that punt goes up. Is it something that is premeditated? You know when you you're going to call for a for a fair catch, or is that something that's just instinctual and it happens on the fly? Um, yeah, you, you kind of start to get a feel for it. I mean, you know, all through college, like I, I don't know, I'm kind of kind of an idiot in a way where I was just like, I'm never, I'm never fair catching. You know, back then they made a rule where it's like you have to give the returner two yards. So I was like, well, shoot, they're giving me two yards. Like, I'll never fear catch. And I learned when I got to the pros pretty quickly um, that, you know, I need to fear catch. And so, yeah, it's, you know, you you line up back there and then you you see the kick. um, you, you, You see if you're backing up or going forward, what's the hang time. Um do we have a double on the gunners on the outside um, or, and you kind of peak the release uh, before the ball's punted to see if they got a clean release or not. Um, and then you just kind of make a judgment call. And, and really, even as you're looking up, you just kind of feel whether those people are, are close to you or not, whether you need the fair catch, whether you don't. Um, but it, it is one of those things you just kind of get a feel for. Um, over time of, of, you know, the decision you have to make back there. Um, but trust me, I've, I've been clocked a few times back there, broken ribs and um, different things like that, um, you know, which happens. But, um, you know, I, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I, you know, I always tell the guys now, you know, because it is, it's a stressful position, but you've you got to go out there with the mindset of, you know, I think too many people are like, all right, just catch the ball. Cause you get it. Well, if you start thinking that way, you're probably going to drop it. 
So, you know, my mindset is always like, all right, go score. Go score. Go score. All right, we're going to score here. And just kind of self-talking to myself. And I think when you go out there with that type of mindset, you know, uh, good things are going to happen. And then at the very last second, you know, you, you kind of have to make that decision whether to fair catch it or not. You spent three years with the Dolphins, 04, 05, and 06. You get traded, uh, the New England New England Patriots. Um, what was different about going to the Patriots coming from the Dolphins? Because at that time, you know, it's Brady and it's it's Belichick. And it's kind of I, I don't know. I, I was trying to, to come up with an equal scenario to the baseball side. I remember I played in Cincinnati in the mid 90s and, and we had a couple really good teams. But at that time, uh, the Atlanta Braves were kind of America's team. You know, that's back before they had the baseball right. package and they, they were on TV every week, them and the Cubs. And they had right. the, the big the big three and Greg Maddox and Smoltz and Glavin. And and they were winning the division every year. And I got traded to the Braves. And it was just kind of right. different when I walked into that clubhouse. You know, Bobby Cox set the new guys that had just got come in that year and, and kind of gave a the the spring training pep talk and said, here here in Atlanta, what we do is I put the lineup up every day and we steamroll the competition. And it was real business like, it was real workmen, you know, it wasn't like other teams I had been on. It's like, no, not we're going to try to make the playoffs this year. We're making the playoffs. We're here to win a world series. And, and I notice a little right. bit different. I don't know if that's a fair scenario to go into the Patriots at that time in 2007, no, but, but I wanted to get your take on that. It's completely true. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, coach Belichick set a standard around there and, and, um, and I think, you know, you, if, when you have the right type of people and you, you draft and, in free agency, get the right type of players with the right type of mindsets that are uh, like-minded and 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 those different things, and you're all working together towards a common goal. Like it, it was, you know, you walk in there, you know, it's Tom Brady, it's you know um, Teddy Bruschi, uh, Mike Vrabel, Rodney Harrison, um, you know, special special individuals like that. That you know they're it's not just about talent or anything else. It's about how we work and how we practice and how we do it together. And, um, you know, it's, it's a team like atmosphere. It's business. We have fun, but it is business. And, and that's how we, we treat it every single day and how we practiced. And, um, you know, but it's, it wasn't, it was never like having to beg guys to practice or beg guys to do this or beg guys like, no, everybody's we're we're all practicing. We're all working, and if you're not like uh, the players, would like we they we'd lose our minds and and be like, why do we have this guy? What's it? You know, and and I think even the guys that weren't that way, they kind of saw all those guys and they kind of followed suit, and so it's you know you, you just got to kind of tip the scales of the type of people that you want in that building. And as long as they outnumber the ones that, um, you know, maybe are kind of on the fence of whether they want to be that way or not. Um, well, they don't have a choice and when they don't have a choice and, you know, they, they have to follow suit or, you know, we don't want them on our team. And I think coach Belichick did a great job of finding those, those type of people that, you know, kind of kept everybody else accountable and, and, uh, you know, understanding why we're there and, and what we're working towards and, and what we're trying to be. It's kind of the beginning of, of the Wes Welker that, that, I, that I, you know, I watched in the NFL. 07, uh, you lead the league in receptions with 112, 1175 yards. Uh, you end up getting to go to your first Super Bowl against the Giants. And I think that was the Giants game with the crazy pass, right? From Manning? Yeah, yeah that was uh, uh, where yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, how do they lose that? I remember. I had just. Uh, uh, I was just retiring for baseball, and I remember that was the first Super Bowl I was home, and I wasn't getting ready for next spring training. And I, and I watched, yeah, so it is 07. Um, right. it's, it's first Super Bowl for you. You end up losing to the Giants, but but take me through uh, 
you know, those two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, how special was it? You end up having a great game. You get 11 receptions in the Super Bowl, even though you guys lost. But uh, take you right. through that that first year in uh, New England and, and first time going to the Super Bowl, how special it was. Oh, it was unbelievable. Um, you know, we, you know, we were, we were undefeated going into the game and, you know, um, to me, even to this day, I mean, it's, you know, even though we, we lost the last one, it's to me, the, the greatest team that's ever taken the field. Um, you know, just, just the talent we had and the type of guys we had and, uh, how much fun we had. Um, you know, I remember we'd go to dinner and, a lot of my buddies were married or had girlfriends and, you know, we'd go out to dinner and, you know, we'd get loud and obnoxious and everything else. And they tell us to quiet down and, you know, we'd sit there and tell them, you know, I think it started like eight. No, we're eight. No, we'll do whatever we want. And then, you know, it, it just kind of carried on throughout, you know, the time. I think our wives and girlfriends at the time, like they wanted us to lose. We were, we were getting so obnoxious with it, but, um, you know, it was, it was just one of those fun years and a special, special group of guys. And, you know, we still all stay in contact with each other and always texting. And, um, you know, you got guys that are, you know, head coaches and Tom's, you know, just recently retired now, like, it's, you know, it's just, um, you know, a lot of them are on ESPN, NFL networks and all, all those different things. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a special group of individuals that, you know, enjoy working and enjoy, you know, uh, being around each other. And, and, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it was a cool, just team atmosphere, um, that we had and, and the accountability that we all had with each other and how we weren't going to let each other down and, and, um, you know, give it our all every single game and, and, um, you know, and go for perfection and, and, uh, yeah, it was heartbreaking. It still hurts like that, you know, we weren't able to take care of it on that, on that last game, but you know, that's, that's kind of life. And, and, uh, but the, the, the friendships that, you know, we, we have and we made through, you know, all that year, you know, like that, that will never go away. 2008 through 2012, you're a pro bowler every year. Uh, you end up leading the, the league in receptions two more times in 09 and, and 2011. Um, it's a pretty darn good run for you. You're going to the playoffs every year. Uh, you get to go to your your next Super Bowl, 2011. It's the Giants again. You get beat again. That year, you you uh, total yards. I think it's total yards, 1,569. Um, but getting you go to your second Super Bowl, Giants are the, are, are the opponent again. Same result. What what's what's going through your head? It was it. You know, I talk to this. I talk to to guys that come on the program from you know all the different sports, and I always think about it. And it's so special to go to a Super Bowl, let alone win one. And and I probably sound right. you know I'm just, I'm just kind of regurgitating what I've said before on the show. But I, you know, I got to go to a World Series, got beat. Right. It hurt, and and I didn't expect to get beat. And we got whooped. We got swept by the Yankees. Bad feeling. But I look back and, and I played with so many great players that never even got a chance to go to a to a World Series. And I think about how how special those are. You know, I had Andre Reed on the program and I said, Andre, you lost four in a row. And he's like, yeah, but I went to four in a row and I wouldn't change it. You know, just the, the opportunity right. to go. When you get back, you, you get back in 2011. Um and arguably your best year, you know, 122 receptions. Um, after that Super Bowl, feel any different or, all right, back to the drawing board, try to get back there again. Um, no, I mean, they, they sting, man. I mean, it, it is because, it, it, you know, it's the ultimate goal to go and win it. And it was, you know, yeah, it was, it was awesome to go and everything, but yeah, like I, you know, just really wanted to win one, you know. Um, but it, so it, it stung, and it, and it was awesome going, and um, you know, and and you know, you have to be a part of a very special team just to be able to even go, and 
and um, you know, getting there is hard, and and winning it is is even harder and um, way harder. And so, it, you know, it's in the work that goes into that and understanding, like, after you lose one of those, it's like you go back to the drawing board eventually, but it, the amount of work that went into getting there in the first place and you're so close and now you have to start all over again, um, you know, you, you got to take some time and, and um, you know, really regather your thoughts and, and get your mind right and, and uh, get ready to, you know, try and do that again. 2012, you have another great year. You're a Pro Bowler again. Um, but your time in New England's coming to an end. You, you end up signing with the Denver Broncos, a free agent. Before I leave New England, because me as, as an ex-athlete, you know, I, I appreciate all sports and, and guys that play at the highest level and, and the greatness that, that I see on it. Does it surprise you to see after you've left there and, and you knew how great Tom Brady was, you were his primary target for years. Is even you, does it surprise you that he played for this? He just retired this year and he was still playing at the highest level well into his forties. Cause that to me is kind of an amazing story. I find myself, whether I'm a fan, you know, I was never just oh, a Tom Brady fan. No, I appreciate, I appreciate greatness, but I found myself as he got older and older and doing the unthinkable, I find myself like rooting for him. Like I want to see something that's never been done. I want to see him win again. Not because I love Tom Brady because I just want to see greatness. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's, I mean, he, I mean, it's ridiculous. He he was saying, he was saying he's going to play till he's 45 since shoot. He was, you know, 30 years old. Um, So, you know, he, he's just got a mindset to him that's, you know, unmatchable. Uh, you can't match it. And he's, uh, he's just a different breed like that. And, um, you know, for his, his, his whole life, he's just kind of been that way. But he, he put it in his mind that he was playing until, you know, he's, I think he's 44 now or whatever, but he's going to play until he's 45. And, and um, you know, he, he, he set his mind to it and, and he, he he's a, he's another one you know kind of some similar story in a way just you know under the radar and and always had that chip on his shoulder and and once he set his mind to something like he he was going to do it and he retired maybe did he retire i don't know we'll see see i'm the the, the board yeah. fan in me right now we got no baseball they're in a lockout so the board fan in me is thinking maybe brady will unretire it'll give me something to watch yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Who knows? Uh, free agent, you signed with the Denver Broncos. Now you're going from from Brady. Now you're you're going to Peyton Manning. You know, uh, a future Hall of Famer, two A Hall of Famer, uh, and you end up going to another Super Bowl with the Seahawks. And and I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Uh, but in 2014, uh, you caught, I believe, you caught the touchdown that tied far 508. And I want to know if right. you've got you've got the ball or did you have to give it back? <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. I actually have the ball. Um, but, <laughs> See, uh, I, I, that's no, why I asked. I figured you did. Yeah, no, I I did. Um, but you know, uh, I, I have it painted up. Um, just finding for the right time to, you know, give that to Peyton and. Um, um, everything. Um, I was going to give it to him as Hall of Fame deal, and I didn't get it painted up in time. But um, you know, I'm planning on giving that to him here. Um, you know, whenever I get a chance. But um, yeah, no, I I've been sitting on it for a while, and uh, so uh, you know, it's, it's something I've been waiting on to you know uh, give to him at some point. You got one more stop in St. Louis, the 2015 season, then you retire. Uh, awesome career. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what makes it, what makes a great slot receiver and what, what made Wes Welker so successful? Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, as far as slot receiver, you know, I, uh, I think, you know, quickness, um, 
You know, I, I think um, you got to be a little more freakish to play outside the numbers consistently, uh, more speed, um, different things like that. But, um, you know, slot receivers got to be able to separate. Um, I think quickness, I think an understanding of defenses and how they're playing and how to attack them. Um, you know, it's not one of those deals where you just draw a line and, you know, you run here to here. There's There's a lot more. Um, that kind of goes into it um, where when you're outside the numbers, it's, you know, either that guy's pressed up on you or he's way off or he's got help over the top and he's like playing a cloud coverage. Um, so there's really, you know, three different scenarios we're really looking at out there. And once you get into the slot, you know, there's a lot of different things that can happen. You know, they can have like a D lineman come out and guard you. Uh, that's acting like they're blitzing and sending somebody else. It could be, a safety coming down late. It could be um, a guy right over you, or he could be lining up over you and he blitzes and somebody's popping out from inside or he's coming down from up top or, um, you know, there's a lot more moving parts um, whenever you're the slot receiver that um, you got to kind of anticipate and have an idea of what's going to happen pre-snap. And and then uh, from there, just um, – you know, you, you always you have a plan. And um, I think over time of seeing reps of everything, you know, there's only so many routes you can possibly run and and having a plan for every scenario that could happen, um, you know, is 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 vital uh, in that position. And, um, you know, some that takes time and and uh, reps and all those different things. But um, you know, I, I think having an understanding of that stuff and then, you know, continuing to practice it over and over and over again to where you, you, you've perfected it and, and you know, what's coming and, and, um, and you're able to adjust on the fly and, and have a good feel and all those different things, um, are, are critical, um, uh, especially in that position. Going from uh, player to coach, you took a year off after after you retired, and a lot of guys in the game, you know, some, or some guys, some guys in the game as, as they're right. they're wrapping up their careers and as as they're getting to the you know close to the end, they start making it making plans and start thinking about what they're going to do next. And, and uh, I didn't do that, you know, looking back on my career, man, I, I would have done things a little bit different, but you know, it is what it is. Um, right. did you, did you plan on going right into coaching or did it organically happen or, or at the end of your career, you thought, you know, I'd like to be on the coaching side when it's all done for me as a player. Um, yeah, no, I, I knew I'd always probably like to, but I also like, I, I, I didn't know if I really wanted to do that and spend that much time doing all that. And um, you know, you watch all the coaches and how much time they spend at the office and, you know, trying to get everything together and, and, uh, things like that. But, um, you know, I, I, I just really wanted to take a year off and, you know, kind of figure it out. You know, I, I did the whole car wash deal with NFL network, ESPN, all that stuff to see maybe broadcasting. And I was like, no, nah, that ain't for me. And I found out real quick that one for me. Um, and I was living down in, uh, Miami at the time and, um, you know, uh, um, uh, Adam Gase got the, um, job and he was my offense coordinator. So I spent a little time over there just kind of dabbling with it and things like that. And, and then, um, I, um, I was like, ah, it was cool and everything like that. And, but I was like, I don't know. And then uh, Mike Rabel and Larry Izzo, they were coaching in Houston. And Bill O'Brien was um, the the head coach there. And, and uh, he was my position coach at one point and offense coordinator. And, you know, had a good relationship with him. And I was like, you know what, let's let's give this a shot. And, and being able to be with, uh, you know, Vrabel and, and Izzo and, all those different things. I was like, yeah, they, I think I'd actually enjoy this. And, and so we ended up moving to Houston and, you know, I, I had twins at the time and, and, uh, we had just had our third and, um, and, uh, so we all moved there and, 
and and got into it and really I, I I kind of fell in love with it and so from there it just kind of took off and and um you know here I am uh still doing it and and um you know enjoying every aspect of it yeah 17 and 18 you you were a special team coach with the Texans and you moved on to the Niners as a wide receiver coach uh through last year and and I guess congratulations is in order you signed with the Dolphins as their wide receiver coach uh for the for the upcoming 22 yeah. season um right Okay, now you're coach. So I'm going to take you player. We all know what it's like being a player in in the heat of it, uh, intense, whatever it may be. We it seems like every time we go out there, there's there's a certain amount of pressure on us. On the coaching side, is it just as rewarding for you when you're working with with one of your guys, your receivers, and they have a big game? Is that just as rewarding for you as a player? I, I found in the in the in the brief time that I coached, and, and you know I was doing it at the minor league level, which I really enjoyed because these kids it's before they're big leaguers, so you have time to mold them a little bit, and maybe maybe teach them something that maybe helps them a little bit. You know, not looking for accolades, but I found myself working with middle infielders and guys, and then I'd see them bring that into the game and, and kind of raise their game to another level. And I remember it was so satisfying for me to see it, not because I had anything to do with it, just to see him moving on through his career. I, I felt just as much joy as, as I did when I was having a big game. I'm wondering if you feel the same way about your guys that you have under you, you live with those guys, you know, once that, once that, uh, that training camp starts through the season. You're with these guys every day, and and to see them have success, uh, how's that feel as a coach? No, it's it's awesome, and oh, that that's that's why I enjoy most about it. Um, you know, because there's there's so much work that goes into it. You know, uh, my first year in San Fran, you know, we we drafted Debo uh, Samuel, and um, you know, it, it was. It's funny to see, like, not funny, it's cool to see, the, you know, uh, the growth he makes. Um, and it doesn't happen overnight. And the amount of hard times we went through, not only together, but, you know, um, you know, talking to him through the whole process and having an injury or this or that or, you know, whatever kind of comes up, you know, those those guys kind of – you know, become like your little brother or one of your kids or, you know, where you, you know, you're helping them along and, and they're young and, you know, you've kind of been there and you've done that and you know kind of what's going through their mind, um, you know, through the whole process and trying to help them through it. And, and then, um, you know, and then you're, you're working on football and making sure they're on top of everything and, um, and prepared and all those different things. And, and then um you know you you see them get better and better and better and and um you know it's it's very gratifying to um you know watch the growth that they make uh as a player and you know uh, and you know really it's it it's the player that does it but you know being along for the ride and 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 seeing uh what they become is is such a cool thing and and, um, you know, it's, um, uh, it, it is, it's, it's, the, it's the cool part about coaching and, and watching the progress they make along the way. Yeah, it's cool. I was watching you guys this year, uh, 49ers and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a 49er fan and I was pulling for you guys. I, I was amazed. I, I was sitting there and I was looking at the schedule and it was like, three or four weeks to go, there were certain scenarios for you to even make the playoffs. And I'm thinking, oh, you got to go through Rodgers and then you're probably going to have to meet, you're going to have to beat Rodgers and Brady. Well, Brady ends up losing, so you didn't have to beat him and you, and you almost pulled it off, but th- but they got you in the long run. But I, I could imagine as a coach on the sideline, come on, come on. <laughs> we're not even supposed to yeah. be here. Now we're going to, we're one step away from the Super Bowl again. And now it's pretty cool. It bring, brings back memories for me. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. take a, I'm, I'm the layman football guy now and i'm just a football geek that that doesn't know that the real intricacies of the game but take me through you played for two of the greatest you played with two of the greatest brady and and uh, peyton manning game winning drive 
differences between the two. First, we'll go with Brady. What would he say in the huddle? And then I want to get to that Omaha stuff. And Ed, as a second baseman, I know nothing about what Omaha means. Anyway, take me take right. me into the huddle on a game winning drive with with uh, Brady. What's he going to say? Um, you know, uh, well, there, there's a lot of choice words in there, but you know, um, that you know, all right, boys, here we are. You know, let's go do this. You know, let's go win the game. I mean, that's pretty much what it comes down to. Um, I don't, I don't think really much needs to be said, but um, you know, he. He, he was the leader of the offense, and it was just, um, you know, very intense. Uh, you know, you can see in his eyes that, you know, he's ready for the moment, and, and the whole team is, and, and um, you know, it's our time to go execute and go win the game. Manning, any different? Similar. Uh, no, it's the same deal, same deal. Like, uh, you know, if you don't have that look in your eye and – and uh, that type of mindset, then you know you're you're probably already done. All your years, who who, who hit the hardest? Oh man, um, I mean Rodney Harrison was he was a hard hitter. Um, at, at, I mean I'd I'd probably say Rodney. Wes Welker Foundation. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, it's uh, something that um, my brother and sister-in-law, you know, they're they're both uh, teachers, and um, my brother was at the time. My my uh, sister-in-law still is, and um, you know, it, it's uh, something in Oklahoma City that um, that we've um, you know, shoot, we've been working on. You know, we're coming up on shoot, it's almost like fifteen years now um, or so. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's basically for the inner city youth, you know, I went to a private school and, and, um, you know, we always had everything that we needed, uh, as far as sports and everything else. And, you know, there was a big need in Oklahoma city as far as, uh, equipment and fields and, um, all these different things that, you know, kids, you know, uh, you know youth leagues and all those different things that, uh, a lot of these kids didn't have opportunities to get to compete. And, um, you know, we wanted to kind of level the playing field uh, to to get those kids an opportunity to, um, you know, go out there and compete and, and be a part of a team and and um, take pride in, um, you know, their school. Um, we work with a lot of the schools there and, and um, you know, giving them uh, donations where it's weight room equipment, jerseys, pads, helmets, um, all those different things. And, um, it, it's been a really cool deal to, you know, watch some of these high schools and, and these coaches, um, you know, the, these coaches that we support and, um, watching basically like Owen 10 teams, uh, go on in a few years later win uh, state championships. And, um, it, it's, it's such a cool thing to, to kind of see some of those stories uh, just because of equipment and their pride that um, the school and the coaches and the kids uh, taking that stuff. And, you know, they appreciate, you know, somebody just, you know, uh, looking out for their best interest and trying to make them uh, a version of them best of their best selves. Wes Welker, uh it, it was a it was an honor. It, this was great. I loved it. it. As I told you at the opening, I was a big fan of of your career and watching you play. And uh, and what a great career! And I and I wish you the best in in your new gig in Miami uh, with that new Dolphin coaching staff. But uh, as we do each and every Boone podcast at the end, we bring back in the voice of the podcast, Dan Levy, to ask a question from the fans. Dan, gentlemen, Wes, uh-huh. how are you, sir? Good, good. How are we doing? Doing okay. This question is a twofold. It's from Jennifer in Newton, and she wants to know this. Two seconds left on the line. End of the Super Bowl. Which quarterback do you want throwing it to you? Peyton or Brady? Come on, you're putting him in a bad spot, Dan. If you that's what she wants, that's what she wants to know. <laughs> what uh what route am I running? Uh your favorite one. <laughs> My favorite one. Oh, shoot. Yeah. 
Well, if it's into the boundary, I'd say Peyton. If it's to the field, I'd say uh, Tom. All right. Run an option route. Excellent. And the final question from her: One good Gronkowski story, please. <laughs> um, see, here, there's one time in practice uh, where basically, you know, we like to have fun, and we're in the red area, and Gronk, you know, those easy buttons. Um, Gronk hid one underneath the goalpost, and he scored during <laughs> practice, and he uh, sat there and went under there and grabbed out the easy button, start pressing it, and as he's coming back, you know, he's laughing, you know, and his goofy laugh and everything, and and um, anyways, everybody's kind of laughing or whatever, and then he hands the easy button to Bill, not even knowing it was Bill there, and Bill's like takes the easy button and he just slams it on the ground like <laughs> it was um it was it was pretty comical party pooper all right mr walker thank you so much for coming on the podcast sir we appreciate it all right thank you all so much for having me i appreciate thanks it. wes all right brett that's gonna do it for the brett boone podcast my name is dan levy the technical director and producer and the voice on the Boom Podcast, EP Executive Producer, Rich Herrera. Digital content gets done by Liz Landry. Please share the Boom Podcast with neighbors and friends. Make sure you subscribe to the Boom Podcast so you never miss an episode of the show. And while you're at it, give it a five-star rating and share your feelings about the Boom Podcast by leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to the show. To follow Brett Boone on social media, he is at TheBoon29. You can follow me on Base on Air, B-A-S-S on Air. And for all of us here on the Boom Podcast, I'm Dan Levy. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Take care.